really in debt. What can I do? How can I make my money last until next payday? How can I get a handle on how much I'm spending each month? What's the best way to pay for a new car? anybody actually make money on their savings these days? Is it a bad idea to take out a loan? I'm a first-time buyer. Where do I even begin? I find managing my finances really stressful. Smarter money. A smarter way to manage your finances. Hello and welcome to the Smarter Money podcast. We're here to talk about your finances and help you make decisions that are smarter for your money and, of course, smarter for you. I'm Nathan Wilde from Nudge, and in this episode, we're going to be talking about financial worries. I am joined by the lovely Sarah Steele from Better With Money. Hi, Sarah. Hello, Nathan. It's really lovely to be back on the virtual Smarter Money sofa with you. So we're talking about financial worries um, or stress today. So what, what is financial stress for you? Yeah, that's an interesting one. I mean, I think really it's any financial situation that causes us to worry, you know, and then when we start to worry, that starts to have an effect on our health. You know, when you're really worried about something and it ends up giving you a headache or you start to, well, what happens to me? I start to get irritable with the people around me, even though, you know, they've done absolutely nothing wrong. And it's just that stress that you're feeling coming out uh, in another way. Um, I I normally know if I'm stressed, whether it's about finances or something else, because I normally wake up in the middle of the night and then I can't get back to sleep. And I know it's got really bad when I start coming out in spots, even though I'm in like 40 something. Oh, no. Oh, no. Yes. I see what you mean, though, because it is one of those things I get. I get clammy hands. I think I mentioned to you previously, actually, when we were chatting, I get really clammy hands (laughs) and then I start to breathe like really, really sort of shallow breaths. Um, and it's almost like a bit of a panic attack sometimes. I have to sit myself down and go, right, Nathan, breathe, get a grip, right? Think about this logically. And it's it's easier said than done sometimes, but it really does affect me in quite a big way. Yeah, I think it affects lots of people in lots of different ways. I mean, there's probably some ways we can't even talk about on this podcast. We don't, you know, <laughs> not if we're keeping it clean. Um, but if you think if that's what happens to me and if that's what happens to you, then, you know, all sorts of ways in which sort of financial stress comes out in people. Well, this is the thing, I suppose, for me um, as well, one thing that really, really sort of resonates is how much it makes us, right, sort of like not not look forward to going to work, speaking to people. I don't know whether it does the same to you, but it kind of turns me into a bit of a recluse sometimes because I'm just like, oh, no, no, they're going to have an opinion or though I've not said anything, they're going to know or, you know, I get, I don't know whether, is that just me that sort of like sits there and thinks, oh, I can't be dealing with the world today. I mean, it's, I don't know whether that's just a Nathan thing. Yeah, I'm the same, actually. I mean, I think it depends, doesn't it, whether you're extrovert or introvert. Someone said to me once that you're an extrovert when, when you're feeling worried and under stress, it's when you want to talk to people about it. When you're an introvert... Um, and I wouldn't have had you down as an introvert, actually, Nathan, but there you go. But you, you're much more likely to go into yourself and think, actually, I don't want to talk to anybody. I'm, I'm going to deal with this um, by myself. And, and I, I think, you know, that would be a great thing to talk to, uh, talk to everyone about today, about opening up about your worries and how that might help. Because there is no doubt when I look at surveys that are around us, about half of us experience financial worries at some point in our life. Um, And I saw the other day, I don't know if you read this, but one of the main causes now that people feel financially stressed is because they actually feel like they're not keeping up with somebody else financially. Um, And I think that must have got worse. Um, You know, when when we were young, actually, I won't put you in the same bracket as me. When I was young, 
I didn't really know how other people were financially um, because it wasn't played out over social media. Nowadays, you can see everybody's life um, over social media and they give you the story that they want to. And you think, oh, my God, I, I need to try and keep up with them. It's like keeping up with the Joneses permanently. That's giving that kind of financial stress an extra dimension. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And thank you so much for not putting me in the same category, but I'm proud to be in the same category <laughs> as you, Sarah, honestly. But yeah, I mean, feeling stressed. I think, yeah, it's interesting what you say about extrovert and introvert, and it's absolutely true. But something happens with me when I when I sort of like get stressed about money or previously got got stressed about money um, where I can't I can't face work. I can't be I just can't be bothered with people. And it's it's quite I think it's quite a dangerous thing and it impacts on like your productivity at work. It's an endless poisonous cycle and it sort of like goes round and round and round and it's really, really hard to break. I mean, I don't know whether you've had anything like previously where you think, well, actually, I got myself stuck in that rut. Um, Was was there anything that you... (laughs) (laughs) You got. (laughs) Oh, no. Hopefully it's got a good ending, Sarah. Yeah, no, there's, well, there's a few times in my life, but the one that I always come back to when I think about finances, uh, which was probably my low point, was about 15 years ago, actually. And that was the, you know, I'd had ups and downs with my finances, but I definitely felt financially stressed because I was going through a divorce. I mean, even now when I think back on it, you know, when you think back about uh, not an embarrassing situation, but a situation that really affected you and you kind of take that sharp intake of breath just thinking about it. Yeah. Um, That's where I was with that. So I was probably, yeah, it must have been in my early 30s. Um, I'd I'd been married. I had a young child. And it probably taken me a couple of years knowing that I was in the wrong relationship and sort of plucking up the courage to, to divorce. But I knew one of the main factors here was was money because uh, my husband worked full time. I only worked part time. To be honest, he ran a lot of the finances. You know, there was a lot of the bills, actually, that I probably didn't even know how much they were. So the thought of actually suddenly being on my own and being in my own house, having to deal with all of my own bills with uh, a young child was really stressful. I mean, I do remember the ultimate low point after we'd separated and I'd, I had moved into a house. I'd found a lovely house, but we were arguing over the hoover, for God's sake. You know, who had the hoover from the marriage? Um, but, you know, the, the point of that is that it was starting to have an impact on the rest of my life. I was spending so much time worrying about the financials in my life and, you know, how I was going to pay for my daughter to go on her nursery trips or whatever it was, that it really started impacting on work. Um, And the the key for me is one day I was supposed to be at a client meeting and I suddenly got this phone call at work and it was uh, this lovely lady and she was like, Sarah, where are you? you know, we've just started the trustee meeting and you're supposed to be here. Now that meeting was sort of half an hour on a train away. Um, and it was that point that I thought, you know what, I'm just not coping with this. Um, and I was forced into this situation where I had to confess to my boss that actually my personal life and my financial worries were taking up the majority of my brain power. Um, and I was just barely, barely ticking over 
at work and doing the absolute minimum, which of course in itself was worrying because I'm thinking, God, what happens then if I end up losing my job? Because then I'm not going to be able to pay any of my bills. I've just got this new house or the responsibility is mine. So I think, you know, when I look back, that definitely was my ultimate financial stress low point. Yeah, that's it. Gosh, I'm so I'm so glad you're sort of like sorted now when we're talking about it. And, you know, I think that you made a really, really interesting point there with the, the turning point for you, the bit where you had to sort of, you said, confess um, to your to or fess up to your boss, you know, actually, that sounds very much like it was a proper turning point for you. And I think that's a really good time to actually just mention about, you know, talking about talking to your employer or talking to your line manager or, you know, go to, um, you know, the partner support is there you know this this is a real privileged position that a lot of listeners will be in now you know they've got amazing sort of people around them and partner support available to them so you know, that's mm. that's really interesting it's like oh thanks Sarah thanks for sharing okay so Sarah you, your financial worry was caused by your divorce do you mm. think there is like a main cause of financial worry and stress oh god that's a good question I I honestly don't think there is. I mean, if I think about all the people I know who, for whatever reason, have been through financial stress, it's normally for really different things. I think everybody's got their own story. You know, I know some people, it was because it was the first time they'd moved out of their parents' house and didn't know how to deal with money. I know some people, it was because they were moving home and and suddenly, you know, trying to get to a bigger house and bigger bills. Um, and, and in some people's cases, it's about supporting someone else financially and, and not wanting to let them down. I mean, I know, you know, mine was divorce, which definitely is not uncommon, particularly when, like me, I think one half of the relationship had always dealt with money. And therefore, you know, at the point at which you separate, you're really learning for yourself. Um, so, no, I, I don't think there is one main cause. I think it could be lots of things. I don't know if, you, you know, tell me, have you have you had a story? What's your financial stress? Oh, oh I knew this was going to come up every time <laughs> we're on this couch. Um, no, absolutely happy to share. So yeah, it's quite interesting. So, oh, this is going right the way back now, right back to the roots. Um, so yeah, when I had, um, so when I started out quite, quite young, my parents were really eager for me to sort of start to save up money, to start to put some money aside so that I could afford the things that I wanted later in life, or at least there was a, a bit of a stepping stone. So I was incredibly lucky in that respect. Yeah. But then I got, um, I got into a relationship with my first partner and we, um, we were in a relationship, we had a job at the time, and then we moved out. So we got our own place just a small flat, um, put our names on the bills. Um, and that's, that was really exciting. We wanted both our names on the bills. That was really exciting because then it's something joint. Um, needless to say, of course, we were both liable legally at that point as soon as that happened. But, you know, that, that comes about and I really considered that much later on. But then he lost his job. Um, so what happened was we were not only relying on my salary, but because of the bills and when they were coming out and the fact that he had no income coming in, you know, it was coming out, the extra top-ups were coming from my savings that I'd saved for such a long time. Um, and what was supposed to be a period of three to six months maximum of having no job and just solely relying on my salary and my savings and then top it back up um, turned into a really long, drawn-out process. And the sad thing is, I suppose, what I did is it kind of, it, it wrote off any savings that I had. 
Um, and then the relationship broke down. I think there was a bit of bitterness and resentment from me, if I'm completely honest. I started to get a bit, well, you know, you can't be trying hard enough where actually, I think I think actually he was. Um, but it was all coming out of my account. Um, and so, yeah, I was starting to get a bit bitter and resentful. And then it all started breaking down. And then in the end, we just ended up sort of like, well, parting, parting company. We were just like, this just isn't working. Money was obviously the root cause of that, generally speaking. And I got left with, I got left with all the bills. So that was, that was quite a struggle. So I got pursued um, for all that. And, you know, it was a case of, I was really struggling. I was struggling to keep my head above the parapet sort of thing, as it were. I didn't want to speak to parents and borrow off them and sort of like make them feel, well, you've touched your savings. You know, what have you done? Uh, my mum asked me a few times, actually, she was just like, well, you've still got your savings. And I was like, yes, mum. Yeah, they were gone. Well, I was going to ask you that because you said yeah. at the beginning that they'd really encouraged you to, <laughs> to make those savings. I was going to say to you, did you did you sort of put your hands up and go, oh, I've just spent it all on him or yeah. so it took you a while to open up, I guess. Or, you, or is this it? Are you? Is this the confession to your parents right here, right now? Yeah, on this podcast. <laughs> Hi, mum and dad. Yeah, I spent it all. But no, so yeah, because I was I was lying, I suppose, effectively is what I was doing. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I was effectively lying to stop that, what I thought was going to be judgment or, you know, uh, disappointment, which is the worst thing when it comes from parents, I find. And it's, yeah, and it was just, I was lying, it was carrying all this on my shoulders, all the bills myself. And then it started to impact on my, my, my work. You know, I was uh, in a sales job at the time. Um, and for anybody that's in sales will understand that, you know, any sort of stress ahead of like any kind of targets you've got to hit, you, you need to be in the zone. You need to kind of be focused in order to hit them. And I just wasn't pulling it out of the bag. I wasn't performing like they, was, they were used to me performing. And it started going downhill over a period of time. And my boss kept asking me, um, brilliant, brilliant manager. She kept asking me, she was like, Nathan, what's what's going on? Is everything all right? And I was like, yeah, yeah, absolutely fine. You know, I deserve an Oscar award for the way that I dealt with that, <laughs> I felt at the time. Um, and then eventually, because obviously you can't always be in a job and underperform without giving anybody any sort of explanation as to what's going on in your world. And so eventually I was confronted with the option of, right, either fess up or... Yeah get taken onto a performance improvement plan. Um, and that's just another stress. So I don't, you know, there was times when I do, I got up out of bed and I was like, I can't face work today because I'm only going to do a rubbish job. Um, and I'm going to get my boss on my back or I'm not going to hit my targets or get. It's that self-esteem, isn't it? Yeah. You know, because part of going to job and knowing that you're doing a good role is, is part of what keeps you going on. And the moment you're thinking, actually, I'm no good to anybody here. It just starts to eat away at your self-confidence. Yeah. And then it took a while for me to sit back and think, well, actually, if I go onto this performance plan and I don't improve and I don't tell anybody what I'm really struggling with, actually, I'm going to end up with no job at all, which means I've got no chance of paying the bills. I've got no chance of keeping my own place. You know, I will get myself in more trouble, in more debt. And it was really difficult. So I had to. I sat down. I remember her, she asked me just before she put me on the plan. She was like, Nathan, you know, I'm trying to help you out as much as I can, but I know something's not right. And I don't know what it's going to take for you to talk to me or what it is you're going through. She was just, but I wish that you would speak to somebody. She didn't even put pull it out of me for her. She was just so, I wish you would speak to somebody. You're not, you're not your usual self. I was incredibly lucky that she was incredibly intuitive like that. Um, yeah. And then I just broke. I absolutely broke. And I can't afford this. This has happened and this is all coming down on me. And, you know, she spent, she must have spent about an hour and a half just listening to me sob and explain 
Um, and then in the end, I didn't get put on the plan, thank goodness. Um, but the sense of relief that come from just speaking about it to someone, you know, whether they mattered or they didn't, you know, the point is that she gave me that time and listened to me. Um, but the important thing is I could have just clammed up and said, no, I'm sticking to my guns. It's none of your business, which I yeah. suppose effectively it isn't. But at the same time, I would not have, I wouldn't have kept my job. It's as simple as that. And actually once I did it, I felt one amazingly so much better. It didn't solve my problems, but it took mm. such a weight off. Do you know what? I felt exactly the same when I spoke mm. to my boss, it, you know, and again, you know, my, my financial problems didn't disappear overnight. I, you know, it wasn't like I could suddenly afford the bills any more than I could the day before, but just knowing that somebody knew and understood. And also I felt that I'd, um, kind of given the reason as to why my head wasn't totally in, in work and I did feel that they were slightly more sympathetic and I felt that my job was probably secure uh, because of it which which was great I mean I guess at the time we were both relatively young that that we had that financial stress um, but I, I think one of the key points here is it's not really age specific is it the point that we we go through financial stress yeah, I mean, it's not really age specific at all. You know, there's different things. I mean, there's different, I'd say, um, the best way to describe it would be sort of transition periods through your life. Mm. When you go through certain changes um, through different areas, stages of your life, and they can happen at any point, really. But like one of the first ones um, that I remember very vividly was when I became financially responsible for my my, my own sort of like my own destiny my own life and it was kind mm. of like you're standing on your own two feet you've got your own place your own bills to cover I mean the biggest shock of my life <laughs> was the fact any you know anybody that's attended any one of my mass classes the biggest shock of my life moving out was literally that I had to pay for a substance that falls out of the sky far too <laughs> often in my opinion <laughs> and magically <laughs> makes its way through your tap and I was like what is this about and council tax you know, I remember it being like sort of like spoken about in high school. I can remember Mr. Parry now. I can't remember. I think it was Mr. Parry, but he turned around. And he called it poll tax or something at the time. And he yeah. said, oh, Maggie Thatcher bought this in. It was supposed to be a temporary measure and it's still it's still around. It didn't disappear anywhere. But that was a huge sum of money. And I didn't realise this needed paying for before then. I mean, did I you? Some... What about you? No, I, well, I was exactly the same. It was a real shock to me, like all the different lists and the Wi-Fi and the broadband, you know, all of those sorts of things. So actually, I, as a parent now, do make quite a point of, of making sure that my children understand what it is that we pay for. Because, you know, like you, I, I, I came over that surprise. I tell you, I mean, this is a slightly different point of view, but the, the one thing that's really wound me up is that when my you know kids had hit that senior school age and they all wanted the latest phone and you know I was the meanest parent in the world because they didn't have the brand spanking new iPhone you know they might have got my second one or whatever and I remember saying uh, to my eldest two right when you get to 18 I'm no longer paying for your phone contract you know, this this becomes yours when you get to 18. They both had part-time jobs and they get in their student finance. Um, and I, and I, they sort of looked at me as if, yeah, whatever, that's fine. Anyway, the point at which I said, that's it now, you're 18. Suddenly, do you know what's happened? They no longer want the most up-to-date phone. They've gone for the cheapest, SIM only. <laughs> I was like, 
why did it take that for you to realise? But it does, you know, and I just think parents be warned, you will all go through this situation if you haven't already. Um, You kind of see how it is. But you're right. It's that shock of maybe moving to suddenly being responsible for yourself. Um, And I guess that next transition then is, you know, you're responsible for yourself and then you get a bit further down the line and suddenly you're responsible for other people as well, whether that's a relationship or whether it's kids or um and again that at that point you think right where's my money going i'm suddenly paying it out for everybody else it's not all it's not all for me yeah no absolutely i think when you like you said you you get dependence whether they're child or adult dependence you know but it's that's another transition period you're absolutely right nail on the head and another one is you know perhaps it's it's later in your family life you know when your kids want to go to university or you can you know you see potential they've got dreams and goals of their own and aspirations or you can see that the housing market is really difficult to get your foot on that the first foot on the ladder so you want to help save up a bit of a deposit so they can get the mortgage or you know or perhaps it's your life after work you know what sort of lifestyle do you want to live when your your salary gets removed when you want to live your life of leisure so that becomes a focus yet another transition period but yeah I think you're absolutely right there's not one absolute specific moment when this is at its highest risk you know during all these stages of life in everyone's walk of life there's going to be the risks of financial stress and worry um but yeah it's just it just presents itself in different ways and none more serious than any other you know i suppose it's different for each individual yeah and sometimes when we least expect it as well yeah absolutely okay so we've worked out that no two situations are the same um, but that reaching out and asking for help is in for, in really important to finding that solution or mm. at least starting that road to finding that solution. I mean, just out of interest, if you don't mind, like, how did you recover from like your divorce? Yeah, I think, you know, looking back, it probably was just good old fashioned hard work and financial budgeting. Um, you know, I think it probably was at that point that I really worked out, right, I need to write down everything that I've got coming in every month. I've got to write down everything I've got going out and how can I make the bits that come in higher than the bits that go out. Um, and for that period of time, um, I mean, I had a lot of friends that wouldn't talk to me anyway. It's, it's funny what divorce does to people, isn't it? Mm. But, you know, I didn't do any extravagant spending. And I think slowly as I got, you know, got my budget under sort of in control I was then able to focus more on work and then as I was able to focus more on work then obviously I got the pay rises you know you become into that positive cycle rather than that negative cycle but I think you know it took me a good three or four years to pay off the debt and and to get myself um, in a situation that I knew what I was doing you know I didn't have holidays during that time I might might go to friends for the weekend that kind of stuff Um, but yeah so I think it was just making sure I was wasn't paying uh, too much for my bills I was watching what I was spending on food and and just going across that monthly budget um to to do what I could okay my fingers crossed here so that's happily ever after (laughs) you know it was for a little while but funny enough you know listening to you talking about um your relationship earlier what then happened actually was I met my now second husband um, and by that time, I was back on track financially. But, you know, what happens? I met him and found out he was in loads of debt. It was all, almost like, oh, I should be walking away here. But of course, emotions don't work like that, do they? And so it really was a, 
here we go again. Um, but I think what was nice this time is I felt a bit emotionally stronger because I'd been through that before and I thought, this is okay. I know how to help him. I can do this. Um, you know, I'd have sort of learned those tricks from last time. And I remember one Sunday, uh, relatively early on in the relationship, I just said, right, I've had enough. Let's sit down. Let's get out all your paperwork. And we spent the whole day working out what he owed. And we found one loan that he could consolidate everything and, and reduce those costs. So, so yeah, I mean, it is happily ever after because we've got through that and we're still together. And, uh, you know, we've now got our finances back on track. Please. I mean, do you know what? This is a really good point that you made. I just want to pull that out just for a second. Was that you having that emotional support to share? Um, and also, you know, rationally, you knew that you would cope this time. Um, so that was a conversation that you sat down and had together. Yeah, definitely. All those tools and tips that I'd learned the first time, particularly around the budgeting and not overspending, definitely saved us on this occasion, which was great. OK, so you've been said about budgeting and all that sort of stuff. So I just wondered, have you got any tips for people wanting to sort out their finances? Yeah, I think. You know, from the experience I had, there's probably three main takeaways that really helped me. I mean, the first one was write down your budget, you know, take out that guesswork, know what you've got coming in, know what you've got going out and make sure hopefully that what you've got coming in is is, is more than, than what you're paying. The second one is really just to get back to basics. You know, I said I'd really cut back and start to live off less than you earn. You know, if you can't afford the wine, then it's going to have to be water for a little while. Um, and the third one, which I found a real comfort to me, was just trying to save just a little bit to create that emergency fund. So if something happens that you're not expecting, whether the car breaks down or you need a new boiler, you've got some money there that is not going to send you into that spiral again. Um, so that, that'd be my three main tips, Nathan. Amazing. I couldn't agree with you more. And honestly, Sarah, thank you so much. This has, it's always a pleasure. It's never, ever a chore sitting on our virtual couch having a coffee and a chinwag together. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> no problem. And yeah, the other thing that I just wanted to just really finalise this, well, top this off, off with is, get personal with your plan you know as as mentioned before you know creating your budget really looking at what's coming in going out finding finding a goal or a dream to give you that drive this could really really help you make a change make you want to change something and end that vicious circle have something to look forward to you know or to work towards really important you know this is you know financial worries are uncomfortable but they are normal they're completely normal and it's more uncomfortable if you don't do anything at all so you will you will feel better when you take those first steps to finding your resolution. And it might not be as bad as your first thought. Take that first step, speak to somebody and start to take control. Thanks for listening to this Smarter Money podcast. Remember, you can get loads of useful help and information by searching Smarter Money on the partner intranet.